Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I analyze the Shana Hubers murder case? Hubers was convicted of murdering her boyfriend, Ryan Poston. So I'll start with the background. I'll move to the timeline of the crime, and then I will talk about the mental health and personality factors. This case takes place in Kentucky and primarily involves two people, Shana Hubers, who was born in 1991, and Ryan Poston, who was born in 1982. In 2011, the two would meet on Facebook. Apparently, Hubers had posted photos on there that were attractive to Poston. Hubers was 19 years old at the time and studying psychology at the University of Kentucky. She would graduate with her bachelor's degree in 2012, and start a master's degree program in school counseling. Poston was 28 years old. He had a law degree and worked in Cincinnati, Ohio as an attorney. Hubers and Poston would start dating not long after they met. Over the course of 18 months, they would break up and reunite several times. The relationship was characterized as unstable. During the same time, they exchanged 50,000 text messages and over 1,000 digital images. This takes us to the evening of October 12, 2012. So this starts the timeline of the crime. Ryan Poston was preparing for a date with a woman named Audrey Bolt, who was Ms. Ohio, USA, 2012. They were supposed to meet at a bar at 9.30 p.m. that night. Poston never arrived. Hubers called emergency services and reported that she killed Poston in his condominium in Highland Heights, Kentucky. During her time speaking with the police, including the time that they interrogated her, Hubers made a number of unusual statements. She referred to Poston as very vain. She said, I don't know if anyone will ever marry me if they know that I killed my boyfriend in self-defense. She told them that she gave Poston the nose job he wanted. She claimed that right before the shooting, Poston was throwing her around the room. So she was saying that she was being attacked. He grabbed a pistol. She grabbed it out of his hand and pulled the trigger. That story would change in the future. She shot him, but he wasn't dead. She was certain that he would die or have a deformed face. She didn't want him to suffer, 
so she shot him several more times, six in total. That may tell us a little bit about Huber's values, how bad she thinks it would be to have a deformed face. One would be better off dead. She stated that his obsession with guns killed him. When Huber's was left alone in the interrogation room, she started walking around the room and singing Amazing Grace. She also stated, I did it. Yes, I did it. I can't believe I did that. Only to add, I'm so good at acting. Interestingly, the police claim that during the interrogation, which was about three hours long, they never asked Hubers a single question. Hubers was indicted for murder in December of 2012. In January of 2013, she pleaded not guilty. She was not able to raise the $5 million necessary for her bail. She remained in jail until her trial started in April of 2015. The trial was fairly straightforward. The prosecution argued that Hubers murdered Poston because he was trying to permanently end their relationship. The defense argued that Hubers was a victim of domestic violence and killed in self-defense. Evidence presented at the trial appeared to indicate that Poston was fearful of Hubers. For example, he did not tell her about his date with Audrey Bolt. A former cellmate of Hubers claimed that Hubers laughed about shooting Poston in the face. The cellmate went on to testify that Hubers reviewed her legal strategy. Hubers allegedly said that she was too smart because she has an IQ of Einstein, so she could not plead insanity. Instead, she had to go with this claim that she was abused by Poston. Hubers was found guilty on April 23, 2015. The jury recommended that she spend 40 years in prison. The defense argued that Hubers was a victim of domestic violence and therefore should be eligible under a law that allowed her to be released earlier from her sentence than somebody who is not a victim. Assuming a sentence of 40 years, she would have been eligible for release after eight years under that law. When she was sentenced four months later, the judge stated that he did not believe there was violence in the relationship. He gave her 40 years in prison. She was eligible for parole after 20 years. Hubers would win an appeal in 2016. One of the jurors was a convicted felon. Hubers claimed that she fell in love in jail while waiting for her second trial. Her lover was transgender, biologically a male, but identifying as female. In a jail interview, she referred to this individual using many names, including Richard McBee and Unique Taylor. I will just use the name Richard. She said Richard was intelligent, brilliant, her soulmate, not guilty, and she said they would remain in contact for the rest of their lives, no matter what happened. Hubers was trying to get permission from the court to marry Richard. The jailhouse interview ended, and she asked it to resume so she could further explain how she was very serious about marrying Richard. Hubers was allowed to marry her lover in June of 2018. At the second trial, which started in August of 2018, the defense strategy was much more focused on allegations that Poston was harmful to Hubers. So the tactics had changed a bit from the first trial to the second trial. Among other elements, the sexual relationship between Hubers and Poston became a focus. Hubers said that she had difficulty reaching orgasm, and Poston was mad about this. She testified that Poston liked rough and kinky sex and sometimes took things too far. She said that Poston wanted her to lose weight and undergo breast augmentation surgery. 
we also see this discussion about how they wanted different things in the relationship. Hubers wanted a real relationship, and Poston did not. He was not loyal. The defense argued that Hubers did not understand how a real relationship should work because she was traumatized when she was younger. She stayed with Poston because she didn't know any better. The defense also claimed that Hubers suffered from borderline personality disorder, which caused her to react intensely to situations. In addition, they argued that she had post-traumatic stress disorder and substance use problems. I mentioned before that in her initial statement to the police, she said that she grabbed the gun out of Poston's hand. Here we would see the story changed. Now she was saying the gun was on the table and he was reaching for it. She beat him to it. The weapon used in the shooting was a Sig Sauer P238, a semi-automatic pistol chambered in 380 ACP. The safety was engaged when Hubers retrieved it, so she had to release the safety prior to shooting. A mental health professional who testified for the prosecution agreed that Hubers did have borderline personality disorder, but said that she did not have PTSD. The prosecution also cast doubt on the theory that it was self-defense by pointing out a few items. There was no evidence of a struggle that had taken place in that condominium. Neighbors could hear Huber's whimpering before the shooting, and they of course heard the shooting, but they did not hear any type of fight right before the shooting. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife Maggie and son Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence. And give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page. Hubers waited 15 minutes to call the police. She was found guilty of murder and sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole. She could be released as early as 2032. In January of 2019, Hubers would file for a divorce from Richard McBee. Perhaps the couple was looking for a marriage with less prison involved. Now moving to the mental health and personality factors. During the trial, the mental health professionals revealed information about Huber's history. As I mentioned, they both agreed that she had BPD. This disorder has nine symptom criteria, five of which are required for a diagnosis. We see frantic efforts to avoid abandonment, an unstable relationship pattern, identity disturbance, so difficulties with self-image, impulsivity, suicidal behavior, affective instability, so difficulty regulating emotions, chronic feelings of emptiness, inappropriate or intense anger or difficulty controlling anger, and paranoid ideation or dissociation. Let's take a look at the information from the investigation and the trial and see what behavior might align with one or more of these symptoms. 
a mental health professional for the defense, testified that Hubers had been arrested for drinking alcohol underage and shoplifting, and that she was impulsive, reckless, and promiscuous. The professional said that Hubers needed a man to feel complete. This is consistent with BPD. What we often see is an individual who does not have their own identity outside of the relationship. It's like if they lose that relationship, they seek to exist. It's really an existential issue. In their minds, they are fighting for their life when they're fighting to keep the relationship. There was quite a bit of testimony at the trial indicating that Hubers was obsessed with Poston. There was boundary crossing. She had a key to his condominium, and she would enter unannounced. And, of course, she sent a number of text messages. As I mentioned, there were about 50,000 text messages sent between them, but it wasn't equal. There was a 50 to 1 ratio in favor of Hubers. For every one message that Poston sent, Hubers sent 50. When looking at some of the messages that Poston did send to Hubers, we see a pattern emerge that seems to confirm the relationship was a bit one-sided. For example, stop texting me, I no longer have the patience to deal with you, and I'm turning off the phone and locking the door. Sounds like the happy couple may have hit a speed bump. Not exactly messages you would expect to see on Valentine's Day candy hearts. The couple broke up and reunited several times, as I mentioned. When the couple was separated, Hubers could not accept that reality. She insisted that they would be together. In addition to behavior that might align with BPD symptoms, Hubers also did not seem too concerned that Poston was dead. We see a lack of empathy. She also cried with no tears at the police station, which made it seem as though she was acting. And she believed that she and Einstein had the same IQ. Maybe just a bit of narcissism there. So in this case, perhaps impulsivity, narcissism, being overly dependent, and access to a deadly weapon all came together resulting in disaster. It's worth noting that the defense did have a few good points. Ryan Poston was not an angel. He admitted in a text message that he physically threw Hubers into the hallway when she would not leave his condominium. Calling the police would have been the smart move. He evidently did struggle with anger, as indicated in a few of the text messages he sent not long before the shooting. He talked about how he wanted to rig explosives to everything he saw, scorch the earth, and leave the entire city in a pile of burnt rubble. Perhaps altruism was not his strong suit. Some of the evidence indicates that Poston may have taken advantage of Hubers as well. For example, she did his laundry, took out his dog, and went shopping for him. Poston's behavior may have contributed to this tragedy as well. So a few thoughts about this case. The criminal justice system does not treat personality disorders like other mental disorders. Not that it frees Hubers from responsibility, but BPD is a real disorder with real consequences. It probably is a mitigating factor in some of the crimes that individuals with BPD commit. I find it interesting that the mental health expert for the prosecution went after the PTSD diagnosis, saying that Hubers did not have that, but conceded that Hubers had BPD. It may have been because that is what they reasonably concluded, but it also could have been that they were aware how a jury might perceive PTSD as a mitigating factor 
and probably would not worry too much about BPD. The Shana Huber's case is often compared to the Jody Arias case. There are a number of similarities. The testimony about BPD, a victim who is trying to leave the perpetrator, the use of a firearm, although Arias also used a knife. There are a few key differences, though. I don't think that Huber's planned this crime as far in advance as Arias did. I think that Arias was also much more aware of how the murder would appear. She took many steps to cover up her crime. She didn't want people to know that she was the one who killed Alexander, her victim. Whereas Huber's talked to the police for three hours without being asked one question. So her strategy was completely different. How about the lessons learned in this case? I have two here. One, what may have happened in this case is that Poston was attracted to Huber's physically, but annoyed with her in every other way. If somebody is continually violating boundaries in a relationship, one needs to seriously consider ending that relationship, even if the offender is physically attractive. Number two, if two people are in a volatile relationship, perhaps keeping loaded guns within reach is not the safest move. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa Vita Brevis. Allegedly is back for season two, a new crime every time. In each episode of Allegedly, you'll hear a crime told to you by the person who experienced it, intermingled with actor portrayals, original music, immersive soundscapes, to create a cinematic experience for your ear. Season two's stories include a young woman finding salvation in God, only to realize the leader of her church was running a sex cult. A case of a con artist swindling a kindly older man until he couldn't do anything to stop her. A landlord exploiting a mentally disabled man and keeping him a virtual prisoner. An act of bullying spinning a promising young man's life into total chaos. And a luxury boat captain inexplicably detained in a foreign prison with seemingly no hope of ever getting out. New episodes release every other week. Look for Allegedly from Voyage Media anywhere you listen to podcasts.